Welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. And we're live. There it is, just like that. Um, and I'm going to wait for everyone to kind of sign in here for a second. And while you do, I'm going to give my my sort of usual preamble that I've been giving because I just think that there's folks out there that are new and don't know what's going on. Um, Tracy Pinter, 17 days left with students. Good for you. Um, I have slightly longer than that. But uh, look, my name is CJ Reynolds, and I have this show, I guess, that is Sunday Night Teacher Talk. And the idea is that when I started teaching, especially Sunday nights were terrifying. Even now, sometimes Sunday nights are terrifying. And uh, we're trying to create this space that teachers can show up. They can ask questions. They can get answers, not just from me, but by all these lovely home. Uh, I don't know. I was just I was confusing words by all these lovely people in the uh, in the comment section. Also, so if I can't get to your question, maybe one of them will. Maybe they'll reach out to you anyway. And it becomes this sort of community of folks that are are you know, like surviving at this point of the year, right? Where you're just kind of like, it's the end of the year and you only have a few more days left or a few more weeks left or whatever it is. And it is like, what do you do with the time that you have left? So <clears throat> I was drinking coffee. So now I'm going to be coughing all the time. Uh, so that's the gig. Look, also, if you, if this is not enough for you, we have uh, Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk uh, closed Facebook group. Not all souls available, or I also do like um, speaking gigs. Like I'll come to your school and do a PD or do a keynote or whatever. And you can find all that information at realrapwithreynolds.com, which is the website. And that's that. I'm all alone tonight. There's no one with me. The wife, she's helping somebody out with something and she left me. And so now I have to try and weather the storm on my own. So, uh, so Tracy Pinder, as long as you're available, if you see any you know, crazy people that pop up in here, uh, let me know. Cause you know, every once in a while someone comes on, starts yelling about Satan or I don't know, saying, making false claims about me or whatever else. So, uh, what's up gang. Thank you, Trace. Um, 17 days, two months. Why do you have two months left? Are you, where are you from? I'm wondering. Um, Aaron Savoy saying, what's up, Mr. Reynolds? You're just outside of Philly, you live near your school. Oh, all right. What's up, man? Um, we're outside of Philly, I'm wondering. Oh, New York City. Got it. I'll be in New York City next month. I'm speaking at the Ed by Ed conference in somewhere in Manhattan. Um, and it should be fun. And then I'm trying to get into the hip hop ed conference too, but I'm trying to work that out now. Uh big things happening in South Carolina on May 1st. I don't know what that means. Lance, what is happening in South Carolina? Uh, Richard Royster, like a true Southerner, yelling yeehaw, got it. Uh, so that's that. My wife would tell me, I don't know how long any of you have been married, but if we're married long enough, we're like, my wife is sort of like my guardian angel and I just hear her talking. Like the fact that I don't have a light ring on tonight and she would not like that very much. She's going to come in and she's going to say, how can you put the light ring on? And why are we talking so much in the beginning? Beginning, just get into the, the question. So look, if you have questions, hit me up. Um, and I will answer anything you got. Nothing's off the table. I'll answer anything you're, you're thinking about. Uh, I'm in Drexel Hill, emailed you a few weeks back about a couple of high school students going to be uh, nice. Yeah. Uh, uh, I didn't see that email, but I'm, I was trying to get through emails this weekend, but I have two big videos that are coming out that are taking a long time. Um, so that's a thing too. Um, 
So I'm trying, I'm going to look here is the tricky part is me trying to make sure I get to everyone's questions. So I really, I'm going to do my best here. Uh, cause they fly by. So first question I see is, uh, Hey rounds, how do you prep for the next year? Um, I, I don't prep now for the next year uh at all like i don't do anything at the end of the year my end of the year is just about wrapping everything up and then i generally take like a like the rest of june off and i don't do anything and i don't start at least thinking about school until july maybe even august depending on how big of a shift so a couple of years ago i started uh having a co-teacher and when i had the co-teacher it was like i had to prep over the summer so we could get sort of like all of our ducks in a row um, which is a weird saying. I wonder where that comes from. I mean, ducks do walk in a row, but anyway, um, they, so that, that took a little bit more time as it stands right now. I think I'm teaching the same exact thing next year with the exception of trying to get some new books in there. So I think this year I was supposed to teach speak and it didn't happen. So I think I'm going to teach speak next year. And I think I'm going to teach, um, I want to have some book that is either, I think I'm gonna switch out Persepolis and not read that graphic novel any longer. And I think I'm going to, I'm looking for a book that, so I teach largely young black men and I'd like to have a book where the protagonist is a young black man, but I'm trying to find something that's on grade level. So like I was immediately drawn to like Jason Reynolds books, but we'll see, because I think those are technically only a sixth grade reading level or something like that with the Lexile level and stuff. So we'll, we'll have to see, but if anyone has an idea, go ahead and throw it on the side there. That would be awesome. But that's how I do it. And then I just think about like what class, if I looked in my, I heard Kim Bearden say this one time. Um, if someone looked in your classroom window, if you, or rather, if you looked in on your classroom window, would you want to be a student in that class? And so that's, what's running through my head this summer of like, how do I do that? Uh, Cause I want next year to be, like legendary is what I'm thinking right now. So we'll see where that, where that happens. Um, let's see here. Uh, sometimes I just catch the, the comments and I don't know what they refer. I don't know if there's something before, but me and Marquand Morrison are now best friends apparently. Uh, Reese TM is saying I'm a first year teacher and I won't, and I won't lie. I feel like I had, a hard time fitting in with my colleagues socially because I'm a young man and most of them are older women. Have you ever had this problem? Uh, so that's interesting. I, I've not because I've only ever worked in schools that were mostly populated by young people. But on the other hand, I am absolutely the old dude at my school and everyone else is way younger than I am. So average age of my school is about 25, 27 years old. I'm 42. So when we go out places, like I'm I am the old guy that I used to see out when I was younger and wonder like, what's that dude doing here? Like, why is that old guy here? And now I know because he works with young people and he wants to be included also. So I, I just find that like, there's so many commonalities that people can like really break it down, right? It's like, and just be yourself. Like, don't try and be someone else. Don't try and fit in or something like that. And I know that's easier said than done, but the easiest way you do that is just like, don't think about what kind of answer would they like to the question that they asked, but ask that question or talk about stuff that's interesting to you. And, and, and note it like, hey, I'm clearly much younger than everyone else, but here's sort of my take on stuff. Or like, what do you guys think about this being sort of like um, 
in your stage of life or from your particular specific viewpoint, like just name it. And I think that that helps you deal with the, with the awkwardness maybe of, of being different than everyone else. Um, so Melissa Reams is saying, thinking about teaching in New Jersey, what is it like? I think it depends on where you teach. So I, my school that I first taught in, I had pros and cons. Like one, I pretty much got away with anything I wanted to do or teach in the classroom. Like there was a curriculum, but like I largely, it didn't matter. Like it, it was like, uh, it was, uh, how is it? Like teaching in the hood sometimes, like people look in your classroom door and if no one's on fire, they just keep going. You don't have to worry about it. But there were a lot of drawbacks too. Like there were a lot of like restrictions, like going on class trips and getting supplies in the classroom. I only had like a thousand copies a year that I was allowed to make. I don't know how that's even a thing, but so there was like a lot of silly stuff like that, a lot of silly rules, but I think it depends on what kind of school you're in. So I have another friend who taught close to that particular school that I was at in Camden and Collingswood, New Jersey, and loved teaching at Collingswood High School. So I think it all depends on the kind of school you're at. So I would do investigating, go on the websites, look through stuff, um, ask people if you know anyone that teaches at that school and ask them what their experience has been like, or if you even know someone near that school that's in that district, typically people in the district have a sense of like which schools are better because they've heard things and, and stuff like that. So that's what I would do. Uh, let's see. Richard Oyster, I am not a kid. Um, I wish, uh, let's see. Uh oh. Um, can you, I think this is a question. I think so. Uh, Steven Kata, Kata, am I saying that right? Um, Hey Reynolds, Canadian student teacher. Awesome. Did want to ask you something. Did you want something Philadelphia slash American specific novels to read? I'm recently reading, uh, I don't know that novel. Themes of immigration, systemic racism. I, I don't, I'm not looking for anything. Uh, so what? here's what I want. I would like books that my students can look at and feel like they are being represented, feel like they can they know something because of who they are already so they can connect to that. So like growing up for me, one of the most influential books in my life was Into the Wild by John Krakauer because I felt like the, the protagonist in that book lived a life very, very similar to mine. I also took a trip that was extremely similar to that trip that the gentleman takes in that book. Um, and there was, there was something too, feeling like you can actually connect, feeling like this might be a parallel universe to the one that you're currently living in because this person and you are so similar. And so I just think that like being a young black or brown male in America, there are, there's, whether you, no matter what neighborhood you live in, really like there's stuff that comes along with that life. And so for my students, what could they read that they would be able to connect with in that way? Um, and for anyone reading, like watching this, like, I don't know that that is like, I, and that's very specific to me because that's where I teach. So if I taught like on an, a reservation in North Dakota, I'd find literature that was particular to those students as well. Or if I taught in Puerto Rico, I'd find literature that was specific to those students as well. So that's why I think it's important to like be able to identify with the people that are in the book sometimes. And sometimes it's not, sometimes it's dope to like be able to not identify with them and like be able to read about someone who lives in Iran or South Africa or, you know, North Korea. And that is educational as well. 
Hold on. This keeps jumping all over the place. I'm trying to keep these in order. Um, are my Melissa Reams is asking, am I a charter school? Yes. Uh, charter school in West Philly, all boys school. Um, I, and for the record, like people ask all the time, like, is there a difference between part charter and public or like, where do I stand on that whole topic? I, 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 my school's great. Like, like largely there's a lot of things I would fix or change about it, but like at its core, like the, it is a really great school and we're able to do a lot more than the public schools are. I feel like public schools because of unions are a lot of times like unions can be useful, but they also sort of like, there's people that are just locked into systems that I'm not locked into. Like I have complete autonomy in my classroom. My rules are my rules. My lessons are my lessons. My books are my books. My trips are my trips. And so I pretty much get away. I've, I've, let me say this. I've never been told no about anything in the eight years that I've been at this particular school. I've never had someone say no to me that that wouldn't work or that couldn't happen. Um, uh, Colt F missed last week, but I'm here. We all missed last week because it was uh, Easter. So we took off a week. Um, so you made it, buddy. Um, Jada Hurley is saying, hey there, need advice here. I'm an after-school teacher, and I have a kindergarten student who is completely out of control. I've talked to my boss with this, uh, and supervisor, and no, one cha- and no changes have been made. I think there's a second part to that. He screams in my face and won't listen. Oh, crap. He just jumped. Uh, he screams in my face and won't listen to any teachers except male figures, and the majority of us are females. He just does whatever he wants, and it's not fair to my other students. It's 100% not fair, and that happens a lot, like, even in my job, where students just take to certain teachers, right? So, like, being a co-teacher, I find that some students really gravitate towards Mr. Fines, my co-teacher. And they try and play us off one another, like we're, like, like mom and dad. Like, mom said no, so dad's going to say, yeah, like, I'll ask him. And so I get that on a level, but what you're dealing with, it seems very different than that. But I, but I get that. Like we listen to some people, we don't listen to other people. I think a lot of that is Jada is like figuring out what is that? And look, there's no quick fix for this. Right. And there are no silver bullets in education. There are no silver bullets. And so I think this takes a little bit longer than maybe you would like, or maybe you feel comfortable with, because if it's been going on all school year, but it's about finding out what that student's situation is. That kid has a story, right? Whether it's a mental, like uh, he doesn't have the mental capacity to like communicate or they need ADHD meds or they need to see a therapist or something's going on at home. Mom and dad aren't getting along and that kid's acting out because of it. Mom and dad don't care and that kid's acting out because of it. Mom and dad don't exist and they're doing the same thing. Like that sort of thing happens all the time. Every kid has a story, right? Just like like everybody else in the world. So what is their story? And then sitting down with them and talking with them and trying to figure that story out is, is the move. That's how you, you handle that. And, and when I think about that, I just think that like, you know, I've, I've learned that lesson so many times again and again and again, where I have a kid that's a total pain in my ass in the classroom. They drive me nuts. They are never on point. They never do what they're supposed to do. But then you find out like, their dad got arrested and beaten by the cops like when they were two years old or three years old or four years old and while they were in the car. Like I've heard that story so many times 
that it's like, of course, that's why you're a pain in the butt. Like your life is a hot mess. Your life is a volcano, like ready to erupt at any moment. And so what are like, you don't even have the capacity to know that the things that are in your life aren't right, that this isn't how life goes. And so they can't show up to your classroom and actually act in a, in a, I don't know, more uh, like a better way, I guess, uh, like a more mature way. They, they, they don't have the capacity to do that. So I would reach out and find out what the problems are. And then I would try and talk to that kid on the, on the low, like on the side, you know, being mindful that it's kindergartner and you should have parent consent and stuff like that. But like, if you can sit down with just the principal or with just one of those male teachers that he seems to listen to so that that kid can see you and the male teacher, like getting along, like this is someone I am a partner with. Um, and sometimes that helps you sometimes sitting down just alone and saying like, Hey, how can we help you succeed in this class? Like, I want you to have a great time every day, but why do you keep pushing my buttons all the time? Like, you know, that I care about you, right? You know, the thing, I think you're awesome, but you're like, and I always will. You are great. Your behavior is not. So how do we work on that? And I think that kind of stuff sways kids because they get, they get, they aren't maybe used to hearing somebody say that. So that's what I would do is dig a little bit deeper. And then if you do, and that doesn't work out, um, please email me and I'll try and get back to you and, and help you out with that if I can. Um, Winter Ogilvy is asking, how in the world would you teach with only a thousand copies? It sounds like so much, right? But it's really not. And I used to get two Expo markers a year. And one year they left the supply cabinet open and I had four Expo markers. And, you know, I don't feel bad about it at all. Uh, so my buddy, the Diary of a Mad Black Teacher is saying, my question is, how do I? Oh, okay. So you had a post before, but it didn't see a question. So that's why I didn't read it. Um, oh, or yeah, I'm officially leaving my school this year. It's become too hard. I had a student that went too far and tried to provoke me. My plan is to teach one more year. And then you had a follow up to that. My question is how do I start over in a new city and make it better? I don't want things to be like this year. How can I reboot my career? Um, look, I see somebody is on there already helping you, which is awesome. I think, you know, I've thought about this even when I came to Philly from Jersey. And I just, I love the idea of reinventing yourself, but that has to do with you putting work into yourself also, and not just your curriculum. And then remembering that no one at your new school has any idea what happened at your old school. So I tell students this all the time, like when you get left back as a freshman, um, you have the ability to be someone new. No one knows if you were the class clown last year or that you had a 13 in the class or that you don't, or that you're even a freshman again. Like nobody knows that. So use that to your advantage and become the person you always wanted to be. Like if you were watching the movie about your life, what do you wish that character would do next? How do you wish they would get better at their life? How do you wish that they would improve themselves and grow? Cause you know, we see that in movies all the time where we're like wishing they would just do that one thing. Like, Game of Thrones is like this constantly where you're like, dude, just tell that person or just say that or just fight them or just don't fight them or just move away or just get out of that relationship. Like, what would you be doing if you were watching the Diary of a Mad Black Teacher show? That's actually not a bad name for a show, too. But what would you be telling that individual to change? And I think that's a good place to start is, is like that. Uh I don't know why I make that noise every time I am looking for something. I just notice I do that. 
Damn it. It keeps jumping every time I'm doing this. Today is brought to you by not Dunkin' Donuts because they haven't sponsored me yet. Uh, I think this is the next one. Aaron Savoy is asking, how much collab work do your students engage in daily with their readings in class? Also, do you ever give your students any graphic novels to work with? Um, so I used to, let me answer that. After a quick sip from our sponsor. Um, so Aaron, I do, how much collab work? It is not systematic. Like I don't have it every week. Um, oh gosh, that's a good question. I guess I've just never gauged it before. Like I've never thought of it. Like, like how much are they getting of that? So we share stories every day. We share journal entries every day. They work with one another at least part of the day. We read together every day. We discuss the readings every day. But in terms of like projects and stuff, that happens like once every other week. That's the system that we have right now um, because we're trying to differentiate the learning in a way that like every other week there's like a mini project for kids to work on so that we're teaching all the kids in the class. So I, you know, I think, uh, have I ever worked with graphic novels in class or do I give them graphic novels? Yeah, so right now we're reading Persepolis, which is a graphic novel about a little girl that grew up during the Iranian Revolution. And then I'm thinking about next year doing V for Vendetta, but there's a lot of complicated like government sort of stuff in there. So I'm thinking about partnering with the civics teacher to see if we can collaborate on a lesson. So he's kind of teaching that part and then we can just dive into the story and I don't have to explain all of those things. Then, you know, aside from that, I have graphic novels in my room. I've since removed them for the moment because Avengers is so big right now. That's all anybody wants to read. And although I'm all I'm down with giving kids whatever they want to read, it becomes like an argument or it becomes a fight over who gets them. And so it's just like it's too much of an ordeal at the moment. Um, and I just don't have enough money to order like because graphic novels are largely like really expensive. Even if you get like the anthology of like all the Spider-Mans ever. It just costs a lot of money. So it was like, hey, I have 10, but in a class of 30, it's like, how come those 10 dudes? It's like a whole thing. So I just put them away for the moment till I could figure out like the best way to kind of deal with that. And then we create our own graphic novels uh, twice a year. So we do it as a children's book and then we do it as when we read the Odyssey. Um, I do a lot of like kids creating comic strips and comics about their lives and of moments of their lives and stuff like that, which is really fun. I'm trying to find like good software to do that with because everything I found is like a little bit messy. Like uh Tundu is something I use, but they haven't updated their site in like 10 years and it's like not it's like really slow and kind of crappy. So like I'm trying to find like a cool new one to use. Uh so Mulsareem saying I thought you were in Jersey the whole time. I I do live in New Jersey. Uh I just teach in Philadelphia. I'm like literally right over, like you see the bridge from my house. Like if you, if you jumped off the bridge, you would like be in my neighborhood. Um, I don't know what this is saying. Timmy Gamer is saying, I'm a YouTuber. I'm 15 years old and I want to skip school to pursue my career. I don't know how to tell my parents that I won't, uh, I won't, I want to skip school. Timmy, you should not skip school. And I'm going to tell you why. And I know that that's what parents are going to say, right? Um, but, you know, I, I think there's a lot to learn in school. Uh, and it's about playing the game, right? So like, what do you want? What kind of content do you want to learn? And can you get the school to, to help you with any of that, right? So like, 
can do they have computer classes? Do you have a computer teacher that knows how to use Premiere Pro or how to use Adobe Photoshop so you can make like dope graphics or like have really nice thumbnails on your videos? That being a, a YouTuber, I'm sure you know that like learning how to edit stuff doesn't just come easy. It's not a simple thing to do. It's a it's a skill that you have to learn. And so being in high school, you can make it work for you or you can make it work against you. But I think learning to make it work for you looks like trying to put yourself in spaces where you are utilizing the resources that a school can afford that you can't afford otherwise. So do they have camera equipment? Do they have a green screen? Do they have light rings or other lights? Could you practice being like on the AV team or you record the plays or you record the football games or you record like maybe get the school to like let you have a camera and if your grades are decent, you get to like, you know, shoot the football team, but not just the same old boring like the guy that films all the football games that just moves the camera like that. Instead, you're like making some more dynamic shots or edits or something like that. Start an after school program for kids to have YouTube channels and sit there and critique each other's channels, but like really give feedback or learn things or watch guys like um, Timmy Schmoyer or like uh, Daryl Eves who tell you like ways to grow your channel and, and create content. Like I think one of the things that I see in my students that, that want to be YouTubers is that they think they know more than they actually do. And sometimes they do. Sometimes they like, they are really great to bounce ideas off of, especially when I was starting out, but there is a limit to where sort of their pride gets in the way. And I'm always telling them like, you have to drop that pride because that's how you grow if, if you're humble enough. So I would stay in school and then play their game, but let it help you grow into what you want to be. Now you have a use for school and school's not just using you. So that's what I would do there. Um, but good luck, man. Uh, let's see. I <clears throat> Dina Acton is saying, I'm not sure if this is relevant, but in the UK, there is curriculum debate, i.e. skills and knowledge-led approaches. Personally, I, uh, I'm an advocate of the knowledge-led approach. Do you have a preference? So look, I, I, I'm going to talk about this not being fully educated on the situation, Dina, but I, I think the school system is kind of like it's it's broken in a million ways, right? Like we're all we're part of we're all part of this like sort of broken system. But it's not enough for me to like jump ship because I still see the need and I see the kids that are a part of it and I see what I want to do. And so I'm not willing to just like not do that anymore because the system's broken, right? I'm I'm willing to work within that system. Um, if we're talking about skills, I know there's like a big push to have like wood shop put back in skill, wood shop put back in, in classrooms or like home ec or teaching kids how to like balance or checking account and stuff like that. I do think that there's a place for that. Um, and, but, and so there's that knowledge piece also. I, I think, look, if we're largely teaching kids anything that they could ask their Google home, it's gonna light up now, okay. Uh, what the answer is, it's a waste of time. Right. So like, I, which is why sometimes I struggle with things like spelling words and stuff like that. My computer tells me like, I'm a terrible speller. Right. I love turns out I love writing. Like I've been writing this book and I've really, really been enjoying it. But I spell crap wrong all the time or I can't remember a particular fact or something like that. Like I don't have to hold on to that anymore. So I think there needs to be this sort of revamping. But I think it's going to be more I think really comes down sometimes to being more specific to the students we're teaching, right? So like what needs are, are 
there in which in the communities in which we're teaching and not just sort of this blanket overall, like let's make this new common core of things that we need to know. It's like, what do your students, what are your kids lacking that are growing up in the UK in certain parts of the UK, right? So like if you're growing up, I don't know many parts of the UK, but like I know London. So like what are kids in different parts of London, what do they need? What do, what what do they need access to? Kids in the northern part of the UK or in Ireland or in Scotland or in West Germany, like what do they need? I think that's a better conversation. So I'd love to hear that conversation and the debate on it because uh, I just think it's fascinating. Um, and I just would love to know that actual teachers are a part of that conversation as well because too often it's like, the admin or someone that taught for a year or heard about teaching one time because they took, you know, they got their doctorate in it, but they never actually did any teaching, but they spent a lot of time in schools and stuff. But it's like, bro, if you never did, if you ever cooked in your life, I don't want recipe advice from you, right? I want uh, to know that from someone that actually cooked before. So, uh, I'm going to say this name wrong. Jayun, it looks awesome though. J-A, capital E-U-N. I don't know how to pronounce that. Um, is saying, I believe charter schools are also public schools. Charters have more freedom to run how each school, um, but with a different contract, performance-based. So they're not all performance-based. We are not performance-based, but um, charter schools were created from what I understand, this is oversimplification maybe, because they were trying to think of new ways to teach kids, right? So like the old model of public school was thought to be like maybe stale or outdated or not as flexible. Charter schools came in and decided that they would, they could have room to sort of change things if they wanted to. And then some found success and some don't look like, like whenever someone tries to like recreate like mass market, um, a school, I find that they're not that good. So like, like nothing against KIPP because I'm sure there's some good KIPP schools out there. But KIPP schools were modeled after Rafe Esquith's classroom in Los Angeles. Those two gentlemen came in and visited him and <clears throat> created a school. That school had enormous success. But then just like anything else, if you try and duplicate that, it, it's not always the same thing because it wasn't the process. It wasn't the lessons. It was the people that made the school grow. And I think that's a place that schools screw up all the time is they forget that it's the teachers that are so important. It's not the curriculum. It's not the scripted lesson plans. It's the individuals that you're giving power to so that they can go into the classroom and actually do good work because they're smart and because they learned about this stuff. And, and I think that that's kind of, it's, it was that idea behind that is to create schools where teachers have more freedom and, and not all of them do. I mean, if you go to a mastery school, mastery charter schools are completely scripted and those teachers have zero autonomy and it's a, a different animal. Um, so Mr. Wilson, social studies is saying how to seem, I think, I think this is the beginning of your question, uh, how to seem more professional and older. I think some of my students' feelings of me are becoming a little inappropriate, or they think that I'm basically a high school kid who is put in charge of them. So I'm going to assume that you're pretty young. Um, I don't know if you had a question before that, but I would say this, look, I never told my students how old I was when I first started teaching. I didn't want them to know. And I didn't want them to know when, like that it was my first year. But even that being said, like, I think just owning our, our so-called shortcomings a lot of times helps us grow. Like, yeah, I'm new, but like, think of all the great things there are to that. Like, I don't know. I haven't been 
punched in the face a whole bunch of times before. I haven't like been down, like screwed by the system or anything like that. Like there's a lot of value that comes to that. And who says wisdom comes with age? I know a lot of people that have a lot of age and not a lot of wisdom. And I know a lot of young people that have accrued an enormous amount of wisdom because the life that they've had to live growing up, like, like, look, I, you know, I've read a book by uh, this guy, Richard Rohr, who writes really great books about uh, spirituality. And he said that typically a lot of wisdom comes from when you get older because you've gone through things that were difficult, right? Like you've lost a friend, you've lost a spouse, you've lost a child, you've lost a job. But sometimes when you're younger, if you are in foster care, if you had to go, if you had cancer, if you lost a parent or something like that, you go through this sort of um, spiritual journey that many other people have not experienced. And so you'll find that those young people have a depth to them that is usually not found until you're much, much older. So I think it's about figuring out sort of like how, like, how do you fit in there? Like, are, do you have that depth? And if not, like you can go seek it out, like go dig deep and try and figure things out about yourself um, and then just give less shits about like what anyone thinks, like tell those kids, like, look, I'm here for you. Like, if, I'm sorry, I'm not older. Sorry. I'm not blonde or that I'm not like, I don't have an ass cut on or like a friggin' suit jacket, like whatever it is that they are expecting. But like, I'm just here to try and like make the best of it and be great. And I, and I want to be great for you so you can learn. So bottom line, that's what it comes to mind. Um, Rebecca Wood is saying, just finished my first Socratic seminar. Despite working one-on-one -on -one with each student in advance and repeatedly laying out the expectations, I already know where this is going. I still had students not participate. Any way to get them involved? I think, Rebecca, one of the ways to do that is first by making it awesome. Like if it's awesome with the kids that want to participate, then it's going to be great. And so I think, you know, I have a video coming out on Tuesday where um, this guy, Rafe Esquith, who I interviewed on my channel before, talks about the soft sell and how we don't tell kids what they have to do, but we tell them what they can do. And then you invite kids into the Socratic seminar. Maybe those kids get a different amount of points or they get extra credit or they get something for actually being a participant, not just being a participant, but like being a good participant rather. And then when kids see how great something can be, they want to be a part of it also. So what that looks like in our class is sometimes students are, um, they're doing like a, a project or they've gotten done their work early and they get to do something extra or we'll put this circle. I've put had times where like I've put seats in a circle and we're reading Shakespeare. The kids that are in the middle get like costume pieces or I play music behind or I ask them to stand in the front, like act out the beginning of Romeo and Juliet where we're like biting our thumbs at each other. And we are, there's like a sword fight that happens and they get to participate. And there's usually dudes that are like, nah, I'm not doing this. This is stupid. This is like childish. But then when they see what it's like, then they're like, oh, no, 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 I want to do that. Can I do it next time? Can I be a part of it? So it's only because you have that soft sell where you are asking kids to be a part of it and seeing if it's something they're interested in that everybody else sort of gets wind of what's awesome. And look, sometimes you're just not going to have kids that buy into everything because that's not their jam. They don't want to be they don't want to sit in the middle of the room and have everyone listen to what they're saying or they don't feel any particular value. So maybe talking to those kids on the side and saying, hey, what do you think about this? What's going on in your mind? What do, what do you 
what would you have said if you were a part of that? Like, I know you have ideas and seeing if they do have ideas and then trying to encourage them to be a part of that, reminding them that their important, their, their opinion, their, what they're thinking about that is actually important. And you think it's really valuable and you think they're good enough to be able to speak with everyone that helps too. Um, Kristen Schnell is saying, hello, currently I'm a one year, I'm in a one year position as a sixth grade English teacher at a middle school who loves me and wishes they could keep me long-term. That is awesome. However, they are not able to, I've been applying for jobs and have had two interviews, both said no. How do you take the rejection? Not personally. Um, sip from our sponsor. I would say Kristen, um, look, I I'm terrible at that stuff. Uh, I take everything personally. When someone leaves a bad comment on a video, which like rarely happens, but um, I, the, the thing I was told was like after 20,000 subscribers, like you don't just get the nice people anymore. You get a lot of people that are just on there and just want to say weird, nasty stuff to you and make you feel bad. So, or like in school, if someone says something to me, like I, I'm just that dude. Um, so I think one, Kristen, are you that person that just is more sensitive to that, right? Because I think that there's a, a dark and a light side to this, right? When you, when, because I'm sensitive to uh, people's like, so it's so funny because on one hand, I'm like super confident. And on the other hand, like it hurts when people say mean shit to me. Um, but that makes me like really empathetic and really pick up on other people's pain and so I can be helpful with that. So I think it's both. Like I'm, I'm an extreme individual, right? I'm extremely sad when I'm sad and I'm extremely like crazy uh, happy when I'm happy in a, in a non sort of bipolar way so much. Like, like that's not a, an issue that I necessarily deal with. So maybe that's just your jam. Um, two, just remind yourself, like tell yourself it is not personal. Like they just, you weren't the best fit or they didn't see your greatness. And that's on them. I would also, I'm wondering, Kristen, like, could you ask the school you're at now, like, hey, do you have any connections that like you could help me out, like, or point me in a direction or or whatever, like, so you can start making connections with people. I find that really happens at local teacher conferences. So if there's a conference going on that you can get in on and some administrator, someone cool from your school is going to be there and they can connect you with other people. That's a really great sort of like meeting ground for people that are, are all doing kind of the same kind of work and, and will get you in circles that you wouldn't like be in otherwise. Um, I creative gorgeous. First of all, that's a great name. Creative gorgeous is saying, darn it. It skipped again. I lost you. I'm going to try and get back to that. Uh, create. Oh, here it is. I am a math major, not an education major who will be in mill, who will be a middle school math teacher. Do you have any advice for me? <clears throat> I would say, look, that that's a hard transition. I, I think that a lot of what's taught to education majors in school is kind of not necessary or it doesn't have to go on for that long. But there are definitely things that like learning how to lesson plan, learning at least the, the basics of, of classroom management. But honestly, I would say watch YouTube, which you're clearly already doing, because there's tons of good stuff on there. And then 
Uh, I have a Facebook group that is called Real Rapid Reynolds Teacher Talk. And on there, I, I don't interact with the group very often because I have 27,000 other things going on. But but everyone in there is awesome. Like there's really great people giving really great advice to individuals. So if you sign up for that, it's closed. You just have to fill out the questions. We let you in. And then you have that resource as well. Then there's tons of stuff online. Do not recreate the wheel. Like, like do the same thing um, that other people are doing with your own spin on it. And then once you start at a school, just make sure that you're like going in and observing other people and that, that will help you out as well. And then when you start having it or not when you start, if you start having issues next year, just come on the live feed and ask questions. And, you know, all these great folks uh, will be on there to help you out. Uh, John Fox is asking. Um, one of my classes has a really difficult time doing anything that requires quiet attention and self-discipline. They're just rowdy, impulsive bunch. I love them, um, but it's difficult. Any advice? I think, look, John, this is one of my favorite conversations I have with students when kid so um I'm, it's gonna mess this all up but I would my other question would be what age are you dealing with but I don't even think that matters so much I think going into a class like that and stopping it for the day and planning on teaching nothing is the move and then saying why are you here what is your reason for being here is it because your mom made you is it because you have to be here is it because you're forced to be here because you get in trouble with truancy. If you're not like, if you're that, then you're a puppet. Like you're just, you're someone's puppet. Like you, you like you have no control over your life. Good luck in the rest of life. Um, but if not, like, why don't you go on offense and let's talk about what we're actually doing here? Because what I'm doing here is trying to uplift and educate you individuals. And I want to tell you why we're doing what we're doing. And I think every day, you need to tell your students not how you're doing something or what you're doing, but it's why are you doing something? And then break it down. Like, this is why in this particular class, we're working on this. This is why groups matter. This is why speaking up in class matters. This is why learning how to argue effectively. Like, you want to be like rowdy and argue? Got it. Let's do it better. Because you could get into a fist fight too, but there's better ways to get into a fist fight than to get into a fist fight the way I would do it, which would look like one of those things that blows in the wind in front of a car dealership. Um, so like, how are you trying to do that? Like learning to write and read is important. Being able just because that is like being able to learn from other people, like books are essentially a time machine of all the knowledge that's ever been created in the world. One, two, writing is like being able to communicate effectively is everything. Haven't you ever written a text message to someone they got pissed off at you and you were just joking or you didn't mean it that way because you didn't learn how to communicate effectively. So let's break it down and talk like that. Let's let's figure those things out. And I think those real conversations with students and like telling them that you're there because you actually care that the rules exist in the classroom, not so you can be in control, not so you can be like the head, you know, God of the classroom, but because you want them to learn. And so no, you can't go to the bathroom at this exact second because I need you to learn this. And because I think you're trying to get out of it because I know you good enough that I know that you do this every single time we read aloud, you try and split, I'm on to you. Um, I know that, you know, you, like I, I know enough about you to kind of know where this is going. And I think that's the real conversation to have with your students. And once you do that, once you get them to figure out what their why is and when they understand what your why is, and that's not to teach to the test, but it's to actually uplift and empower those individuals, that changes 
the conversation. It changes things in class because now, oh shit, now we're on a mission. Like now, now we're moving towards something. Now we're not just bullshitting in class all the time. Um, so this isn't just algebra, right? This is mental gymnastics that are going to work your mind out like you would a push up or a pull up. Um, and it doesn't look like you're going to use this in class, but I'm about to break it down for you on how this does actually impact your life as you get older. That's what I would do. Uh, there I am making that noise again. Um, Jada Hurley is saying also would like to know your advice on becoming more assertive and more of an authority in my classroom. I'm 20. So I feel like my students don't take me seriously when I try to teach them. Um, I would, Jada, I would have the same exact conversation that I just told, was it John Fox? I don't want to say that wrong. John Fox. Um, it is not your age, like wisdom and age do not, they, they're not equal. Like you don't just get smarter because you got older. Right. Uh, but you, and neither does passion. Like yeah, I'm 20 years old, but what, like, what do you got on me? You're not 20 years old. Like, and what do you think 20 is going to be like? Um, like this is why I'm here. I'm so glad that I'm here. Like I want this job and this is why not just cause I friggin' love English, which I do not just because I love writing or reading, but I do it's for you. Like you're the reason that I'm here and you need to know that over everything else. So when you're dissing me in class, it's like I'm putting my best work in on the weekends and after school and coming in early for you. When's the last time somebody put that sort of effort into you? And I'm not trying to be the best in your life. I'm not trying to talk down about anyone else in your life. I'm just saying like I'm showing up for you and giving you my all and you're just pushing it away. But why? Like, what would you rather be doing? What do you think we should be doing? Should we be reading something else? Should we be talking in a different way? Should we be doing more activities or more projects? Like, what do you guys want? And I'll take all that into consideration and I'll put it into my plans and I'll make that happen in the classroom. But like, how do we make that happen? Like, we need to work together because right now this isn't working. Um, and it's not working because I'm just not trying to be like any other teacher that ever came in here and like hand out worksheets that are still purple because you printed them out for the first time in 1985 and you've been handing those things out since then. Um, but like, let's get on the same page so that we can crush this together. And that's kind of where I would take that conversation. Um, bonus fiddle is asking our administration asks too much from time to time. And I'm not sure how to address this. I simply can't complete all the requests. I just don't complete all the requests. Uh, and so look, that's one of those not helpful answers, right? So, because I do stuff. I, a lot of times I just do stuff that I want to do or they think is important. Sometimes like, look, and I don't care who's watching this. Sometimes we have professional development meetings. And I just don't stay. I just pretend I'm on my phone and I go upstairs and pretend to have a phone call. And then I go to my classroom and I go do work because it's not important because I've heard this talk a hundred times. Like in the beginning of the year or certain times during the year, we get like the same speaker that comes in and gives the same like boring address again and again and again. It's like nothing against them. It's important stuff to know. I've just heard it five times already the same exact way. I've seen this PowerPoint so many times I could tell you what slide is going to be next. I just don't stay for those things. It's, it's in terms of email or paperwork, I usually wait till the second time that they email me and say, hey, did you get that email? I need that information. Got you now because sometimes they send me stuff and they didn't really need it or they, you know, you find out you're one of 50 people to hand out, hand in that information. And so I make sure to find out when this is actually necessary. Uh, or hit those people back. Sometimes like special ed paperwork, even they just need a teacher to fill out a form and they don't need seven teachers. 
So if you're one of seven, maybe you get out of that one, but you promise to do the next one or, or something like that. I think it's worth the conversation and saying, look, I want to do all of these well. I'm finding it hard to figure out how to spin all these plates. Do you have any advice? It doesn't make you look weak. It just makes you look like a real human being. And then, you know, nine times out of 10, everybody else in your school is having that trouble also. And so maybe go to someone who looks organized and efficient and like they're running things well and ask them how they're getting done and how they're doing it as well. Uh, Tabitha is asking, have you heard of the curriculum from Clearwater Press by Daniel Schroeder? Uh, if so, how do you feel about it? I've not heard of that. Um, I could give you an answer, though, if you send me like a link or something like that. I could look it up. Um, so if, if anyone else has an answer to that, to Tabitha Tilly's question about that, the uh, curriculum from Clearwater Press, that would be awesome if you could help her out with that. Um I'm trying to find a question, but this thing keeps jumping all over the place. I love all the people that are helping each other out over here. I just, this stuff is the best, man. It's the greatest. Uh, here we go. I think this is one. Uh, Claire S is asking, have you heard of the program uh, Urban Teachers? It's similar to TFA, but a four-year commitment with a full residency year under a teacher. That's really interesting. If not, thoughts on alternative licensure programs in general? I think they're awesome. Like, look, and I get it. So people, look, student teaching was great because I had a great teacher and I was in a, a school that he made great with students in the class that he made great. And he didn't make the students great, but he made the class great. It was a great experience. But I was so in debt. I literally lived off credit cards for like three and a half months while I did that because I didn't have time to work. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't have a side job on the weekends or anything because I just worked on school stuff all the time. And I helped with the drama program, which meant that I went in on Saturdays from like eight to one every day and then came home and like worked on my lesson plans and all my college work and stuff. So the sort of like alternative programs to getting into the into teaching are great because you can make money while you're doing it. Uh, I, the issue is sometimes is that folks can only teach in certain types of schools and those certain types of schools don't always have like, I don't know, they're not always like super well run or they're like um, you teach in a title one school, which is my jam, but those schools might have people that have less resources that have less experience because you know, it shifts all the time. So I've never heard of urban teachers but I love the idea of working under a teacher for a year sounds great. And I think I, the four year commitment, because one of my issues with TFA is you're only there for two years, man. And then like, if you choose to split, it's the kids that are at a loss. It's the kids that don't have someone to like, to, they, they like already have a lack of consistency in their lives. And now you're like, all right, did my thing, going to law school, going to go become a politician, do whatever else I'm doing. And that just sucks for kids. I, I just, I hate that, that piece of it. Um, so yeah, that, that's, I think it's an awesome idea if, if that's what you want to do. Uh, Betty GB is saying, what item or what idea can you give me to interest my fifth grade son to see the value in reading? He currently reads at a fourth grade level and about to go to middle school. I really want him to love reading. Look, I think Betty... 
there's a couple things here, right? I was listening to something the other day. There's this guy, Monty Don, that I really dig that uh, is a gardener. And he says that you should get your kids to garden, right? Like it's just something that you should get them to do. That you should get them digging in the dirt and learning about where plants come from and having them plant seeds and having them see them grow and, and become food and then eating that food. Like it's a really great experience. But he said in his experience of working with gardeners his whole, like for since he was got out of college, it has been that somewhere around 11 years old, kids lose interest, right? They don't want to do it anymore. They start turning into a teenager, even at that age, like their, their insides are cooking and stuff's going on and they want to be their own person. So as much as we want kids to do that, right, they just don't. But if you plant the seeds when they're young, they might come back to it. I didn't read a book from the time I was 10 years old. I read comic books probably till I was about 13, maybe 14. I didn't read anything till I was 19 years old. I never read a book. I didn't read a novel. I didn't read, I read magazines about drummers. That was it. But I think to instill a, a love of reading, one of the things that we do with our kids is we have reading time at night where it's like 20 minutes. We turn off the TV, we turn off music and we all read together. So it's this thing we're doing together. Then we talk about what we're reading. And I do this in class also where I'm always talking about whatever book I'm reading and why I'm reading and what I'm learning from it and how excited I am to get to this next part. So when we start reading together in class, like everyone be quiet, do not distract me because I can't wait to see how this turns out or what this next idea is going to be. It's about building that culture of talking about those things. So when you're sitting at dinner, it just becomes part of your conversation. Hey, I've read this really interesting thing today. Uh, or uh, I want I want to read this part of this book to you. Do you mind if I like before you go to bed if I can read this? You're just in, you're planting seeds there, and so even if they don't want to read, you're you know helping them along in that way. I think also audiobooks are a good way to get kids to still read. Right, you're not reading the words, but it is still that sort of um, you're still exercising that muscle on some level, and you're increasing your vocabulary as well. So like I think that that is some of it, and also tell them you'll buy any book that they want. What book do you want? I'll buy it for you at any time. Like even times when I've been broke as hell, if we're at BJ's, because BJ's always has Captain Underpants for some reason, and the boy sees a new Captain Underpants book, just grab it. I'd put something back so that you can have the book and you can read it. Or we're going to the library or we're going to cool libraries. Like not just our lame local library that we have, but like we're going to the next town over where they have like a sick library and just building that into them. Um, I think that's how you do it. Uh, let me see. I'm trying not to skip anyone's stuff. Tabitha is asking, I'm sure you answered this before. And I just missed it. But what is your stance on common core? I, I think anything that's common, I think any, anytime we try and put a blanket over anything, we are worse off for it. Right. Like, like, especially when government is involved, like look at the, the, the dietary like like guidelines for individuals even it's the worst man it's like it's like laughable what the u.s government thinks that we should be eating um and so i think that you know the the curriculum should be more individualized it's just hard to do that in the it's like trying to make this work in a system that that doesn't allow for that so I think there's great things about it. I use it. I, I apply it to my lessons, but I make it work for me instead of trying to work with it. Uh, let's see. Aaron Savoy is saying, Mr. Reynolds, I would 
recommend looking at Red Sun as a graphic novel. Okay. Uh, as this might interest your students, is story of what if Superman landed in communist Russia and was raised by farmers? That's really interesting. I am going to look at that. Red Sun. Nice. Uh, how do I settle down my class? This is Elijah Emanuel. I, I think you you have to build in that consistency, right? My students get quiet every single time I ask them to. There's not an exception. If I count down from five, everyone's always quiet. Now, do they stay like that long? No, but I give them the out. So I count down from five. Yo, I need your attention on me. In five, four, three, that's two, three, two. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. I need your attention now for 30 seconds while I give you these directions. And then I'm going to set you off on what you need to be doing. Do I have 30 seconds? Awesome. Here's what you need to know. And then I keep it short and I let them know when the out is. I'm not going to sit here and lecture for an hour or 30 minutes or whatever it is. I need this much time to say what I need to say. I need you to pretend you're listening to me right now and hone in. Let's hone in. Got you? All right, here we go. And then no messing around. I get it done. But they know what needs to be done um, so that that can happen. And then those like offenders that keep talking all the time, you got to have really conversations with them outside of class. It cannot be done in class. It has to be before school, after school, during lunch kind of situation. And that's when you're talking to those dudes and figuring out what the issue is. Like, yo, I want you to succeed. Like the same kind of thing I told everyone earlier. Like, I want you to succeed. I want you to do great. But you're not if you're doing this. Like you can't. Like you can't do two things at once, right? Ron Swanson said, never half-ass two things, whole-ass one thing. And I think that, that that conversation with students really helps get that that idea uh, apart or across. But it is it is definitely consistency. It is definitely building relationships with the students. And it's des- definitely like just consistency across your class. Like this is what I expect every single day. Um. Oh, just jumped again. Curse you, computer. Um, I don't know where that question went. So I'm going to jump in here. Um, Unicorns Rock is asking, um, you're an amazing human being, by the way, Unicorns Rock. Uh, I'm running my first session as a teacher as a, at a teacher conference over the summer, any advice in terms of what I should have for printables for them and keep it all technology based. So wait, let me read that again. I'm running my first session at a teacher conference over the summer. Any advice in terms of should I have printables for them or keep it all technology based? I think you could go either way, but here's what you want to stay away from. Whenever I speak, I don't want people to have to take out their phones and take pictures of my PowerPoint or write anything down. I will send you everything. I'll send you, let me know, just email me. You can write your name on on a thing before you go. And I will email you my whole slideshow. Everything's always on Google. I'll send you the whole thing. I'll send you everything that I mentioned. I'll send you all the book references that I made. Just hit me up because I want you to be able to hone in and pay attention and not feel like you have to, like, like I'm throwing money out and you got to collect it right now. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm sending money PayPal. So like you can just chill and appreciate this and then you still will get your payoff. So that's what I would keep in mind when you're doing that. It's like, hey, before I even talk, I just want everyone to know this whole slideshow is available on Google Drive. Just send me your e- like an email requesting it. I'll send it to you so you don't have to feel like you have to take pictures or write anything down. And if anything I say, 
you're wondering like, what did she say? Or what was that? Just please take my contact information at the end. Anything I reference, I will send that a link to it. No problem. And people will really, really appreciate that. Uh, gosh, I hate missing questions. Um, as a supply, a lot of teachers will choose. So this is Rob Smith is asking as a supply, a lot of teachers will choose to misbehave for the cover teacher. Do you have any suggestions to help engage the class and keep them on task while the normal teacher is absent? I would talk to the students, Rob. I, I think, I, look, I, I think the bottom line is having real conversations with students about anything. And so like, look, this is what I expect when I'm not here. Like the, the best, I think one of the best markers markers that you're being a good parent is when the grandparents or the babysitter says, your kids are so great. They were so well behaved. And you're thinking, really, they're kind of like monsters at home a lot of times. So I'm glad they were good for you. But that's like, that just shows that your kids feel comfortable with you and they feel like they can get away with certain stuff. But when someone else comes in, it's a reflection on you too. So I think having that conversation with the students and saying like, look, I know this is what happens when someone's not here. Here's what I want to do. I want to blow this individual's mind. You know they already expect from you that you're going to be animals. You know they expect that you're not going to behave. You're not going to do stuff. I want this to be the class. They come in and they're like, Yo, what, what the hell is going on? Why? Everyone's like doing work and quiet, not asking to go to the bathroom 75,000 times and like not screwing around. Like, this is ridiculous. Um, and maybe you build an incentive where like, I don't know what kind of classes you teach, but like, I, I put in my sub plans that like my students are allowed to listen to music while they're doing work. But that is that changes next time there will be no music if that's going to be the situation. I used to work with a woman named Miss Ash in Camden that would call the class that she was missing. So she would call and tell the sub, hey, can you put me on speakerphone real quick? And she had her class was on lock all the time. And then she would say, like, hey, is everyone being good in there? Just want to make sure we all everyone has what they need. You don't you're not misunderstanding what's being asked or anything like that great. I'll be in tomorrow. I really miss you guys. I hope you have a great day. All right. Be on your best behavior. Okay, Miss Ash. And it would work like a charm every time. Just the sound of her voice on the phone kept everyone in check. And I always really loved that idea. So I, I think that that's, that's the move, but talking to kids about why it's important to do the work when you're gone, why it's important for you to uh, be respectful of, of the person that's covering. And then also making that work meaningful that you're leaving, not just leaving some kind of busy work so that they have something to do so they can be quiet, but making it lead to something that's going to be important in the future. Uh, let me see. Um, sorry if I'm missing anyone's questions. I'm really trying my best here and trying to get uh, stuff. So I'm, I'm looking for question marks is what I'm looking for. Um, Indy Kitty, did your wife get the wool balls, Easter hugs? I don't, I, I know she ordered them. Um, I haven't talked to her about it though. Cause she has like some family stuff going on and it's kept her out of the house a lot lately. So I need to like catch up with my wife. Like, and then she had like, even we, we had a wedding Friday night and then we had, she had a baby shower today and now she's out doing family stuff tonight. So it's tricky. Uh, let's see. Tips for teacher students on placement. Um, Danielle, send me an email and I'll send you the link. I have a whole video on that uh, that I did with my friend Bridget from Lettered Classroom. And she has some really great advice on that. 
Um, or you can just go onto my YouTube and type in the search bar at the top, uh, type in student teaching and a couple cool videos will pop up. Um, Kristen, Kristen, there's no way your last name is really Kitchen Master because that is the most, like you should be a chef because that is awesome if that's really real. Uh, advice, I'm a new substitute and love it and yet some challenges, middle school, four days, same class, pandemonium, concern they may not call me back. Look, if they don't call you back, it has nothing to do with you. I think substituting is like the hardest job on earth next to being a coal miner because um, that job is just infinitely more difficult. But, uh, you know, subbing is like you're babysitting a lot of kids, not one kid, and they don't have to listen to you. They don't know that you, you don't even know their names. They don't know that they have to behave. I think if you can get through it, if you survive and you keep getting called back, what I've learned from other people, because I only substituted one time because I hated it, was that, you know, those kids, like, they know you, they see you, and they start comparing you to the other subs. And it's like, they walk in, they're either like, oh, no, this person again, or, oh, thank God, we don't have Mr. or Mrs. X, and now we get to have you. So uh, I think just ride it out. And if you don't get called back, no one's going to talk about you doing another school. Maybe that school doesn't get to have you back. Maybe that school sucked so bad that, like, you have to go do something else or work somewhere else because that school doesn't have their stuff under control. Uh, Amanda Fouts, Fouts, I think it's Fouts, uh, saying, I'm a college student studying elementary education and I'm heavily involved with March uh, for Our Lives. How do you support students mentally during active shooter drills? I tell students, you know, that's a really interesting question. Uh, we, my all right. So look, I, I think this is a different question for my particular students because we there's a lot of violence in the neighborhood. There's a lot of shootings in the neighborhood. So this isn't like it's not so far gone for our students. Like like this year, someone was shot outside of my classroom, like right outside the window in the street, um, about 30 or 40 feet from my classroom. And that and this is how the students reacted. Is that a gunshot? Rollins, I think that was a gunshot. And so someone looks out the window oh yeah, dude, there's a guy bleeding in the street. And then everyone went to the window and then that's how it started. Not like screams, not people running out of the room or calling their parents. It was like so nonchalant, like, like it had just been, like they'd just been desensitized to a, to a level where it was just like, oh shit, like, look, is that guy bleeding? Um, and I know that kids, like, I know that that's a front on some level, and but but it's not on another level. So I just think, talking to kids about, look, we're doing, we're practicing this, right? Just like we would practice a fire drill. Nothing's happening, but we do this because we care. We do this because we have to have a plan of attack. I do this with my own students in my house or my own students, my own children have like fire drills. Like they know, like if there's ever a fire, like where does the family meet? So we all know that we are okay in the, in the house, right? And, and then giving space to kids to just talk about stuff not feeling like you have to have advice, not feeling like you need to say the right thing, because look, your your attention rather is far more important than your advice, right? I'm gonna say that again. Your attention is far more important than your advice. Just giving kids a safe space to say how they feel, what they think about something, whether they think it's stupid, whether they think it's terrifying, whether it reminds them of something else, it allows kids to share things, be vulnerable, and, and be heard about stuff that not everyone's willing to listen to. So I think that would be um, that would be my take on that. Um, 
I got time for like two more because I got to go pick up the uh, the offspring. Um, good job, Tracy Pinter. I see you on there doing work, girl. Um, do you provide a supply list at the beginning of the year? Yes, I have a syllabus that I send out that's like more fun than anybody else's syllabus because I want to stand apart. Um, I really just stole it from Pinterest and then like revamped it. So Hannah, if you want, you can email me and just ask me for that syllabus and I'll send it to you so you can see what it looks like and has all my supplies on it. Um, let's see, is there another question on here real quick? I hope I'm not missing someone. I feel like I am. This is my apologies to you all. Uh, I'm going to say your name wrong. Laylee Monroe is asking, I'm doing practicum this semester. I'm wondering about giving my cooperating teacher a gift. I got a card that says, thank you for helping me grow, but no one else got their teacher anything. Are gifts okay? Let me say this. The, oh, wait, hold on. Thank you, Mr. Rollins. Thank you. Yes, my last name is Kitchen Master. Dude, that is such an awesome name. I am loving that. I would be like, Master. I don't know. I would just say something. I would make it ridiculous because that's who I am. But anyway, um, lately, I think always going above and beyond is the move. Always. Always. So if you're going, if some, let's say, like, I don't, I'm not going to pretend to know, like, what your situation is, like, in the, in the world of dating or marriage or whatever. But if your husband or your boyfriend just looked at everything, what all the other guys were getting their wives and then did the same exact thing. Nobody wants that. Everybody wants the next level. They want it personalized. I've literally never bought my wife a card ever. I've always made my own cards. Even if they were hilariously weird or silly or goofy, it is that personal touch. Anytime I ever get a business card from anyone, no matter what conference I'm at, what no matter what situation I'm at, someone gives me a business card, I sign, I write on my own stationery, and I write them back in a handwritten letter um, on that stationery. You can go buy it from me. Oh, you just going out. Um, that is what I do. So, and, and that seems above and beyond. Or like if I am at a place and I mention to someone that I have bubble wands or that I, ha um, I have like eyeball stickers that I use in my classroom and stuff like that. And they go, oh, that sounds really great. I should get one. Just right there, I know now I'm gonna get you one. So yeah, I think getting, um, a, like writing a nice letter. This was my experience in your classroom. This is what I saw. This is what I want to be like. These are the things I want to take from you and thank you so much for that. It's someone that, something that person will hold on to forever. And then getting them something nice that you feel like they need or that they would want or that they would appreciate is totally fine. I think that is a great way, whether it's a book or a gift or something else, like to just say thanks. Teaching is one of the most underappreciated profession. And maybe I'm, it's, maybe it's not. I have no idea. But I it is large, like you feel underappreciated as a teacher a lot of times. So to have anybody reach out and give you something, help you out, like um, is always, always appreciated. And I think that is just like a really lovely idea um, that you came up with. So, uh, oh, and I said your name perfectly. Awesome. So last thing, uh, Reynolds, someone else asked earlier in the feed, but any thoughts on a meetup this summer? I'll do a meetup. Where are we meeting up? I, I love doing that stuff. I love meeting people. Look, you guys all exist in text right now. So like if I, the, the few of you that I've like um, have the chance to mentor or people that I've gotten to talk to on the phone or something like that. I love it. Um, people that I've gotten the chance to go out for dinner with or drinks with at like different occasions. It is the best. So I'm down to go out anywhere, do anything. Um, and one of the things we're going to try and do on the website this summer is have people know 
where I'm going to be speaking. So even if it's a closed session, so sometimes you have to pay to get into these certain things, or it's a certain high school that's hired me to come speak or something like that. Um, you can't get into that, but I'll be in that area. And so if you want to do lunch afterwards or dinner afterwards, like, cause you see, I'm going to be in North Jersey or Ohio or Florida or Texas or Colorado, like hit me up. Um, cause I'd love to be able to do that. Uh, and that's it. So look, um, come to Colorado, Sarah Collins, have your school contact me and I will give them my rates and availability and I will come to Colorado. Um, so that's it. Look guys, uh, I have um, a new video up. So look, don't leave yet because people are leaving. I want to really tell you this really quick. Um, I have a new video up that is about differentiated learning, right? Part of that I did as a partnership with Scholastic, right? Scholastic wants to give one of you um, a free year subscription to Scholastic Magazine, which comes with all their online content and all that other stuff comes with lesson plans. It's really, really cool deal. So all I need you to do is go into that comment section and leave um a comment like and have the word scholastic be the first word right just write scholastic and then whatever your comment is for the video is fine but that's how i know who to pull in for the drawing and then we will draw someone's name and announce it next sunday on the feed on the, on this live feed um so all you do is go on there it's the differentiating instruction video that talks about like uh that my i think it's me and my kids are in the thumbnail they put out yesterday i think last night go on there scholastics the first word and then whatever comment that you have on there and then we'll pick one of those people this week we'll let you know next week on the feed and if we don't make the feed we'll just make sure that like uh we contact you like we'll get in contact with you um and that'll be that so that's it everybody i hope you have a really great week and that's it peace